You need some coaching? How about two minutes for $5? Stick around, I'll tell you who's doing that. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. Yes, you're listening to the 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Now, we got a lot of resources today. You're going to want to grab your pen and paper so that you can take note. We'll put a lot of notes in the show notes today, but got some resources for you you're going to want to take advantage of. Our business partners today are Fresh Books and Casper Mattress. Be telling you a little bit more about them here in just a minute. Great resources there you're going to want to take advantage of. Well, here's some questions. Dan, I think you're being too hard on Jeremy. Jeremy has been a continuing uh, saga that we've talked about on here. We'll do a refresh and some new suggestions on that. How about this? Can we really change our perspective on how we see the world? Dan, could you explain your belief that missionaries should not seek financial support for their ministry work and instead try to provide for themselves while they do ministry? And somebody says, I'm a veterinarian. Can I write a pet parenting book? Golly, great questions. We got good news and more. Here's our quotation for today. It comes from Mike Murdoch, who said, pay any price to stay in the presence of extraordinary people. Love that. Now, I do that. A lot of you do that. Understand the principle there. We talk about the 40 Days Eagles community, other ways that you can stay in the presence of extraordinary people. Now, I want to talk to you about a little bit about fresh books. I mean, we know that in the 40 days Eagles community, as an example, we have people who need a fresh start. They just need a job. Now, maybe you have a job, but you want a promotion. You want to move up in your industry, or maybe you're one of the many who have an idea you want to bring to life. Not really ready to just stop your job, but you got a side biz idea where you can devote 10 to 15 hours a week to that. Or maybe you're somebody who already has a business up and running, you want to grow it and prosper. Any one of you in either any of those categories can benefit from fresh books. Now in this new economy, I mean, the workplace is changing. Golly, the internet has enabled a whole lot more people to become self-employed professionals, small business owners, where we can be unconnected if we want, or we can be very connected. You can work independently or as part of a team. I mean, a lot of us are working in new jobs that could not have been imagined just a few years ago. Well, in doing that, in order to stay on top of things, you need to have an accounting system that helps you keep track. You need to see yourself, incidentally, as, as self-employed, no matter what. I don't care if you have one customer, meaning you have a job where you go for 40 hours a week. You still need to see yourselves as self-employed because you really are. You need to know what your marketable skills are, what your value is. Fresh books can help you stay on top of all of that to keep yourself straight. What's going on? Keep your taxes straight. Don't get off track on that to claim your month long unrestricted free trial with no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com. 
dot com slash 48 days and then enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Now, our other business partner today is Casper Mattress. You know, I love our Casper Mattress. My gosh, I sleep on a Casper mattress just yesterday in one of my group calls. We were talking about, well, somebody said, you know, how do you really stay sharp and growing in what you're doing? And he said, drink lots of water and get plenty of sleep. Well, I value both of those greatly. And in getting plenty of sleep, I mean, I don't use an alarm clock. You've heard me talk about that. I go to bed when I'm tired and get up when I'm rested. And that's helped dramatically by having a Casper mattress. Now, Listen to this, podcast listeners. This is very time sensitive. You're invited to take advantage of Casper's competitive limited time President's Day offer for the first time ever. Now, Casper has three different mattress lines to choose from. The original Casper, the Innovative Wave, and the Streamlined Essential. Now, as you know, you've heard me talk about Casper isn't just a mattress company. They also offer sheets, pillows, bed frames, even dog beds, so everyone in the family sleeps comfier than ever before. We have the sheets as well. Not just the mattress, but the sheets sheets as well. Joanne is spoiled with the quality of things that we're getting from Casper, believe me. So, for a limited time, visit casper.com slash savings. Now, that's a different link than I normally give you for Casper, but visit casper.com slash savings and receive up to $2,000 off your purchase of $2,000 or more. Now, this special offer expires February 20th, 2018. See casper.com slash terms for more details. But then this is the deal. This is the offer. It's time sensitive for a limited time. Visit casper.com slash savings and receive up to $200 off your purchase of $2,000 or more. This special offer expires February 20th, 2018. See casper.com slash terms for more details. And of course, you know, from hearing me talk about it in the past, shipping is free, comes to you in a beautiful box delivered by UPS. Have fun, get your kids around, open that thing up and watch it expand and be the preparation for sleep like you've never experienced before. Well, let's jump into some of our good news here. We got some really fun stuff today. How about this? An Italian village is selling homes for a dollar and twenty-five cents to populate the town for the future. Now they didn't come up with a dollar twenty-five. It's actually in European money. It's an even number, but in dollars, it's a dollar twenty-five. Now this is this is a real deal. There's this village in Italy. It's on the island of Sardinia. You can look it up. It's an, it's an island off the coast of Italy. They're looking for new neighbors to join its community, and they're charging $1.25 per house. Now, what's happened, more and more residents have been leaving this little town. But when you see it, I mean, it's spectacular overlooking the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, my goodness, what a great place to live. But because of the way people were used to working, more and more people have been leaving. So the population has dwindled from about 2,500 people down to about 1,300 people. So as a means of preventing the village from turning into a ghost town, the local government is selling the empty houses. For $1.25, I mean, that's less than price of price of a good cup of coffee, I guess. Now, is there a catch? Well, kind of. I mean, here's the deal. Prospective buyers must agree to renovate their newly bought house within three years of purchasing the real estate. An estimated cost 
to renovate a house, there's going to be like $25,000. But now how would you like to have 25000 or 25000 one. <laughs> $25,000 plus the dollar twenty-five for a house on a breathtaking Mediterranean island? <laughs> That's a pretty cool deal. I'll put the link. I mean, it's, I mean, you can Google it if you want to. You can find it, but I'll put a link right to the Village website. They're getting a lot of um, applications, obviously. They have over 200 properties that are available. So I don't know how long those are going to last, but I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Just go to 48days.com, click on podcast, and you can get the notes right there. Or perhaps wherever you're listening to it, you know, we're still trying to figure out how people see our notes when you're listening to it on iTunes or Stitcher or some of the other things that are available, ways that you can listen to this. Okay, excited. You know, what an opportunity. I mean, I love those kind of creative ideas. Last year, we talked about a farm that was being given away over North Carolina. And all you had to do was write a 200 word essay saying why you were the best. Now, what you did is write a 200 word essay. And I think it submitted like a $200 entry fee. And they had to have a certain number of entries that would equal the value of the property with those $200 each in order for that to happen. As it turns out, they didn't get enough, so that didn't happen. But I still love the idea, just the creativity of doing something like that. Well, here's another creative idea. How about a kid therapist raising money by offering advice to stressed New Yorkers? This boy at his therapist booth will remind you of the amateur psychology doled out in a Peanuts, Peanuts comic. Remember that? You know, Charlie Brown used to set up, you know, a dollar for advice. Well, this little kid isn't even keeping the money he gets. He gives it to children who can't afford school lunches at his school. So every Sunday since October, Ciro Ortiz, also known as the Emotional Advice Kid, has set up his workstation in the New York City subway to offer emotional advice at $2 per five-minute session. The 11-year-old got the idea for his entrepreneurial venture after he was bullied in school because he was raised by parents who encouraged him to be kind to others. He funneled his feelings into helping his fellow New Yorkers with their life's problems. Now, on a typical day, this little therapist can make about 50 bucks, which he always then takes back to his school and gives it away to his classmates that can't afford lunch. Now, he's already been chatting with a lot of worried city dwellers, receiving an outpouring of appreciation and support. And if you look this up, I mean, it's really cute, a little stand with a cardboard signed, you know, $2 for advice, just like the one in Peanuts used to do. Uh, during one December afternoon, he was approached by a husband who was upset that his wife had become a vegan. And so this little therapist said, I told him she didn't get mad at him for eating meat. She likes to eat what she wants. He likes to eat whatever he wants. So they're just going to have to deal with it. Well, he says most of the grief he hears about is from people, adults, who are concerned about how the world is changing. But he says, try to accept change. Everything changes. We have to change too. Well, great idea. Cute idea. Cute story indeed. Well, here's a five-year-old girl is being hailed for influence in a restaurant chain to stop using single-use plastic straws in favor of biodegradable paper alternatives, all thanks to a heartfelt letter she sent to the company. Now, this is a big concern. I mean, you may have seen some of the news reports recently, the estimates that are there are a half a billion plastic straws used and discarded every day. Half a billion, that's 500 million plastic straws used and discarded. And now we're seeing them, you know, wash up on beaches by the thousands and seeing wildlife 
in the oceans that are having you know straws stuck in them and causing all kinds of disasters. So this little girl wrote a note to Pizza Express. It's an Italian food restaurant, over 470 branches worldwide. They announced their decision to stop using plastic straws. And they showed the letter from this little girl. You know, Ava's letter read, I'm writing to you to ask if you could stop using plastic straws because they are very bad for animals. They can get stuck in their mouths and noses. Could you only use straws if people ask for them? Because I don't want any animals to get sick. So... Pizza Express responded, we pride ourselves in listening to our customers. So when Ava, aged five, sent us a letter asking us to stop putting plastic straws in her drink because they're bad for the animals, it spurred us to make a change. We're now phasing out single-use plastic straws from all of our 470-plus restaurants this summer, and we'll be replacing them with biodegradable and recyclable paper versions. Now, a lot of restaurants are going to... Uh, the idea of you only get a straw if you ask for it. And of course, in most places, they have them out. If you're serving yourself, they have them out. You can choose to get one or not. But it, it is a concern for sure. But it also thrills me to know that a little girl can still make a difference. You know, can customers still make a difference? Yeah. You know, just yesterday, I popped into a place I was out. I needed to stop at the post office, the bank, a couple other places. And I popped into, I won't mention the name of the chain, but it's a chain and they have good food. And I popped in and got my food. And while I was waiting for mine to come be delivered up to the, it was self-serving, you know, being delivered up to the counter. There was an elderly couple that came up to the counter. He had ketchup on his cheek you know, struggling with food, the kind you hold in your hand and eat and ask for napkins because there were no napkins out in the service, the customer service area. And a gal behind the counter just kind of curtly turned her head a little bit and says, we don't have any napkins. And gee, the couple kind of, you know, shuffled away. And I went up and I said, no, wait a minute. Is that really the best you can do? You don't have any napkins? I said, you, she said, we didn't have any delivery today. We don't have any napkins. I said, do you have bounty towels that you use for cleaning? Do you have toilet paper? Now here's an elderly couple and then you have nothing at all. I says, there's a Kroger directly across the street. Somebody could run over there, spend $2 and solve this problem instantly. That's not our job. End of story. Well, I, I thought you gotta be kidding. I mean, what an example of, again, it's not my job. I came home. And so I went on the company website and uh, put in uh, my story. Well, I got, <laughs> I got a phone call from corporate about an hour later. I'll have to commend them on that. And they, they did call. And they said, this is totally unacceptable. We will be on top of this because I gave the name of the two young ladies who I had encountered there as well. And I, you know, do I want to get them in trouble? That's not my point. But that, I mean... That's horrible for a company to be represented in that way. So can we still make a difference? Absolutely. Speak up. You can make a difference. Make the world a better place. Suggest what needs to be done. Don't just grovel, complain about it to others. You know, go to the source. Well, let me get to some questions here. This comes from Heidi. Now, this if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, I read a note from Jeremy who said, he was reaching out to me because I'm a coach. He says, I know it's just a mental problem. I need to get over it. 
And he said, uh, my absolute number one problem is that I'm very lazy. My laziness has cost me time, money, customers, goals, and so much more. So he went into detail on that. And I essentially said, look, I got three words for you. This is like the old Bob Newhart, you know, spoof that we watch where he says, stop it. But I said, you know, I got three words for you. You might want to get a pen and paper to write these down. You need to remember them. Get a job. And I, I said, Jeremy, you know, you describe yourself as not being somebody that can work on your own. If you need somebody to manage you from the outside, just go get a job, you know, get in the military. They tell you when to get up and when to sit down and when to go to sleep and what to do. Now, you know, uh, maybe I came across as too harsh in that, I, but but I, I thought it was realistic. If, if that really is the, the case, if you cannot discipline yourself, then put yourself into an environment. I mean, go to jail. They, they'll pretty well take care of that. So maybe I was a little um, forthright, blunt, and uh, cold-hearted. I'm sure I can come across that way sometimes. I di- it didn't mean to be. I mean, I've been communicated with Jeremy, incidentally, and uh, given him some other suggestions, and he really is attempting to make some things work. But anyway, Heidi listened, and she said, is it possible that Jeremy responds better to outer expectations than inner expectations? I would guess that you do very well with inner expectations. Boy, she just unloaded on me there. And I can feel, feel that because yeah, you're right. I don't need somebody to be standing over me and telling me what to do. I love having my own goals that I've decided on what's important, what my priorities are and be able to then to orchestrate my daily time investment in those things I consider important. So she says, I would guess that you do very well with inner expectations. Yes. Gretchen Rubin's quiz, she says, may be very helpful for Jeremy. Perhaps he would get more things done with some outer accountability. I am, Heidi says, an obliger and struggle to get things done when no one expects them to be done. And fake deadlines, even at my job, are not really effective. They have to be real. Maybe Gretchen Rubin's new book would help Jeremy. Now, Gretchen's book, and I know Gretchen, she wrote what? Oh, wow. She wrote her book, one that we really enjoyed. It was like the happier family, I think it was. But we met Gretchen a couple of years ago at Social Media Marketing World and uh, had a chance to talk to her. Her new book is The Four Tendencies, the indispensable personality profiles that reveal how to make your life better and other people's lives better too. So in that, she identifies four tendencies. And you can find out whether you are an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. And there's a free quiz. For that. So I'll put the note, the link again, if you want to go find it, you can, the four tendencies, the quiz, but I'll put a link directly to that in our show notes today. So you can take the quiz and see, are you somebody who needs to have external accountability, external guidelines and expectations, or are you self-directed? Sure. That has a lot of bearing on the kind of work, the kind of life that we're going to live. I mean, it really does. Heidi, thank you for your input on that. I was not aware of that a new book that uh, Gretchen has out, but that's a great tip. And I'll link right to that quiz for all of our listeners. Now this comes from Jeff. This is, this is pretty cool. Uh, if there's one thing I've learned from you, Jeff says, it's that a different perspective can also bring happiness in the same situation. Perspective can also bring about several and solutions instead of this or that solutions. I thought of you immediately when I read the poem in this link below, it's brilliant. I hope you enjoy it. It's the same words, no matter which way it's read, but it's all about the approach one takes with the words. Now, this references a poem. 
it, it's been around a while and I've had tons of people share it with me over the last couple of years. It actually was written by a 17 year old named Shaney Gorkin back in 2015 at the time she was um, well, 17 years old. And she wrote this poem after kind of a challenging day and it went viral. Somebody saw it pinned to a wall somewhere and it went viral. So I'm going to share it with you. It's fairly short, but this is the deal. Now, listen to this, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it through. Now, I'll put this in the show notes as well, so you can look at it, because it's worth seeing and experimenting with what I'm going to do here. I'm going to read through, and it sounds really kind of whiny. Yeah, poor me. And then I'm going to read through it, starting at the bottom, and read the lines backward. And you'll see how it is a dramatic change in perspective. So here's the little poem. Today was the absolute worst day ever. And don't try to convince me that there's something good in every day. Because when you take a closer look, the world is a pretty evil place. Even if some goodness does shine through once in a while, satisfaction and happiness don't last. And it's not true that it's all in the mind and heart. Because true happiness can be attained only if one's surroundings are good. It's not true that good exists. I'm sure that you agree that the reality creates my attitude. It's all beyond my control. And you'll never in a million years hear me say today was a very good day. All right. That's the poem read as she wrote it. Start to finish. And here's what happens if you read it in reverse. Today was a very good day. And you'll never in a million years hear me say it's all beyond my control. My attitude creates the reality. I'm sure that you can agree. It's not true that good exists only if one's surroundings are good. True happiness can be attained because it's all in the mind and heart. And it's not true that satisfaction and happiness don't last. Some goodness does shine through once in a while, even if the world is a pretty evil place. Because when you take a closer look, there's something good in every day. And don't try to convince me that today was the absolute worst day ever. Isn't that great? Ah, again, I love the creativity involved in that. I love the fact that a 17-year-old was able to write that. I mean, what wisdom, what brilliance in that that she was able to write that and just by simply reversing the reading order, change our perspective dramatically. Yeah, I do think it is that easy. I think we can choose to change our perspective. It's the old glass half full. Absolutely. So you can see the glass is half empty or half full, but great little poem. Thanks for bringing that to our attention again, Jeff. Well, hey, just a reminder here, you're listening to Real Life Questions, Input, Success Stories, and more from people just like you and me. We're all in this together. I appreciate your input. If you've got a success story or a question you'd like for us to discuss here, just shoot it in to me at askdan at 48days.com. You can go to the website, 48days.com, and go to the podcast link and put it in there in a little audio form if you want. I got some of those backed up here. I didn't take time to include them today. I always feel like there's so much to cover, and the 48 minutes goes so quickly that I did not load those into today, but I got some there, and if you want to leave an audio message, you can do that too. But for most of you, the easiest way is just to simply shoot an email to askdan at 48days.com. Now, this comes from Melissa, who says, Dan, if you remember, I wrote to you several months ago about my struggles as a veterinarian 
and wanted to pursue economic development. While I'm still active and she goes through, you know, what some things are happening in her local community there. And she's gotten very involved. In the meantime, she says, I've been racking my brain for some other income source that could hopefully get me out of the exam room and focusing on my creative nature. Since I don't think it's the right time to open an arts and crafts supply store, which is a daydream of mine, I've been circling around the possibilities of writing and blogging. Then this morning, while listening to your podcast, I had one of those aha moments. Why don't I write about the things that have been creating my biggest challenges? Why don't I write a pet parenting book? There are so many resources available for advice on raising children, but what about pets? In a veterinary profession, we are often complaining about the things that our clients are doing and saying that make our job difficult. How many times have we said, if they would only do this... Yet by the time they get into the exam room for their allotted 15 or 30 minute appointment, we rarely have the opportunity to connect on that level. I have so many ideas about this concept that I'm driving, that I'm literally vibrating with possibility. Boy, there's a great phrase. I'm vibrating with possibility, which tells me that something in my core is driving this. And that's a good thing. Obviously, I have a ton of information together about starting the writing and publishing process. Do I jump into an actual book? Do I start with blogging? Both. The questions are just running rampant in my brain right now. I need some guidance. Would you say that this would be something that the Eagles group could help with? Are there mentors there that have insight on this topic? Or would you suggest a different source? Thank you so much for your continued guidance. Melissa, how cool. Golly, I love that you had an aha moment. And that you are literally vibrating with possibility. I wish every that I wish that for every listener today, that they're vibrating with the possibilities that are all around us. Yeah, I think this is a great idea. Pet parenting. My goodness, I mean, yeah, we got a lot about parenting real human kids, but pet parenting. I love the the concept, the way you've named that. I think that can get legs easily out there because you know pets are very important to people. My goodness, they spend a whole lot of money on pet products. A lot of people are more um, strategic about what they allow their pets to eat than what their kids eat. Another quandary I've not been able to get my head around. Yeah, you can you can do this. And I would encourage you, sure, just start, just start blogging. I mean, you can put notes out on Facebook about tips that you have and lead people back to a blog that you have. But blogging is still a very effective way. Yeah, it's not going away, you know, where there's a lot of talk about that right now. No, you can blog. I mean, it's a great way to kind of crystallize your thinking, to put your ideas together, and then to get feedback from people. I mean, pretty much every book that I've ever written, the entire content was available through blogs prior to the book coming out. And it's in those blogs that I get great input from people, ideas about how to make it better, tighten it up, make it clear, whatever. And then I incorporate those. So when the book comes out, it's refined, already improved material, rather than that being the first time that somebody sees it. Now, this may seem to be counterintuitive, but it really works. I mean, Seth Godin, brilliant New York marketer, uh, kind of leads the way in this space. I mean, he writes things every day, gets it out there, has tons of content. And then once every couple years, then he'll take the best of what he's written I mean, the last book that he did, it was an amazingly big book. I mean, you talk about a coffee table book. You, this thing could be a coffee table. It was just done so creatively, but he had four years of content in that, along with a lot of pictures and things. It was $139, 
you know, printed in China. I mean, I've got one here, uh, just again, a creative example of the end product, but the key being that was not content that nobody had been able to see before. Everything in there had been, is totally available on his website. Well, why would people buy a book? It's just the way people operate. They will do that. So feel very free about sharing your content liberally on pet parenting with any community where you can get traction. Offer to do ghost guest posts for other sites. Comment on other sites where people are talking about pet care. You know, offer yourself as a guest, an interesting guest on podcast that deal with pet care. I mean, there's so many things you can do to get traction really quickly in what you're doing. As regards getting it out there, getting guidance and moving through the publishing process. I mean, the, the guidance that you can get for moving this through publishing so you can get it on Amazon through create space, or you can go through lightning source. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can kind of push the process through, but you can also be exposed to major publishers now, this brings me back to people in the Eagles community. You ask about that. You hear me talk about what's happening in the Eagles community. If you haven't checked it out yet, you can just go to 48dayseagles.com. We've got tons of information there to give you an inside look. I just did a um, Monday mentor call on Monday with Jesse Cole, who's owner of the baseball team, Savannah Bananas. That interview is outrageous. And we've got that up there where you can see that as an example of the kind of things we're doing in the Eagles community. But he talks about all the creative things that he's doing as owner of a ball team where he took an old decrepit stadium, Grayson Stadium in Savannah, that was drawn two to 300 people for a real professional ball team. He's got college kids that are unpaid in another kind of league and has ball games. They are totally sold out for the 2018 season. Over 4,000 seats per game. Totally sold out with thousands of people waiting to get tickets anytime they can. How in the world has he done it? Well, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about in the Eagles community. So, yeah, those of you who are there know how outrageous some of the things are that are happening there. But in regard specifically, Melissa, to your question about help in the writing, I don't know of any, I don't know of any community anywhere that has the rich resources that we have and the variety of people that we have who are willing to help you along in the writing process. So we're seeing things like James Woosley and Jennifer Harshman just compiled the Time to Fly book. That compilation, over 144 author submissions in the 48 Days Eagles community. And, I mean, over 144 people. And they narrowed down the compilation to only include 365, thinking originally they would try to get 48, and they had to narrow it down to limit it to only 365. But there's that kind of an explosion of writers in that community. James Woosley is from Free Agent Press, his own company. Jennifer Harshman, Harshman Services. Uh, but then we have other people as well. I mean, there's so many people who are connecting in there that helps everybody's writing move up to higher levels. Aaron Casey, um, contributing editor with Success Magazine. You know, she has my writer's connection. William Parker is in the Eagles community, Soft Press Publishing. Carrie Oberbronner, gosh, a lot of you know him, Author Academy Elite. 
Carrie's helping lots and lots of authors bring their books to life. Karen Anderson is an acquisition editor. She'll review your manuscript and help you find a home for it. David Hancock, the CEO of Morgan James Publishing, is a member of the 40 Days Eagles. Jim and Chris Howard, who work with David at Morgan James, are also very active members there. Nick Pavlidis is an attorney in my mastermind group who is a ghostwriter. He helps people bring their stories to life. I mean, the resources there, I mean, I could just go on and on and on. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm getting ready to, in the next two weeks, make an announcement about something we're going to be doing here at 48 days that I'm so excited about. I can't sleep at night. And it has to do with this very thing, helping authors bring their books right into the New York publishing houses, get national distribution in bookstores. Uh, we're going to have some options for you that are absolutely stunning. And I've got things pretty well built out. I mean, I can just give you a, a quick glimpse. We're going to have an imprint, 48 Days Imprint, where that is going to be a, its own publishing company, where we'll have that on books that that can be included in the same kind of in writing that I am so excited about. So if it has to do with career, passion, finding work that matters, starting a business, I mean, those are the kind of things that I'll be looking for. And again, we'll be making a formal announcement about that within the next two weeks. So yes, Melissa, there are so many people who are eager and willing to help you in the 48 Days Eagles community. So check it out. I mean, we're, we're talking about $36 a month. We're not talking about, you know, $6,000 coaching process. We're talking about $36 a month to connect with those people. We have uh, a lot of mentors in there who we've already tapped on the shoulder. People like, you know, Kent Julian, very experienced in what he's doing. People like Giovanna Ellison, you know, people who are very experienced and successful in what they're doing. And they're, they have willingly said, I'll help anybody who needs to get help in moving their success forward. Well, Let me go on to another question here. This comes from Matt. Now, this is a very thoughtful question, and I want to be thoughtful about this. And again, sometimes I think in the brevity of the podcast, I give answers that may be a little misconstrued. Um, And so, but, but part of my opportunity and part of what I realistically want to do is to challenge ordinary thinking. I mean, one of the things that Jesse Cole that I talked about, who has a Savannah Bananas, one of his primary business mantras is, if it's normal, do the opposite. You know, <laughs> do the opposite. I mean, they recently had backward night at a ball game. Backward night. So the thousands of people coming in were required to back in, to turn around and walk backward into the stadium and up to their seats. Now the the crowd, I mean, is, I mean, eats this stuff up. So they started playing the ninth inning. So they played backward all the way down at the end of the game. They all stood and sang the star spangled banner and then spent 20 minutes giving announcements for the evening at the very end of everything. I mean, I love the kind of things that he's doing. So part of my desire is to get you to think outside the norm. So take that for whatever it's worth. Here's Matt's question. Dan, could you explain your belief that missionaries should not seek financial support for their ministry work and instead try to provide for themselves while they do ministry? 
The Apostle Paul was a tent maker and used that skill set to provide for himself, but even he acknowledged he had a right to financial support for his ministry work. Verses like 1 Corinthians 9.14 indicate that gospel workers should make their living from the gospel. On a more practical level, it seems that it would be hard for a missionary to do a lot of ministry work if they are giving their best 40 hours per week to an employer. All right, let me let me kind of uh, back into this a little bit, Matt. I know this comes up a lot. You know, last week I played a clip, Pierce Mars, who's a coach, sales coach, been involved in 48 Days Community for years, sent in an audio clip and talked about his son, Nathan, feeling called to China as a missionary and how Nathan very carefully got through college without incurring any student loan debt. So he didn't have that immediate burden and limitation on what he was able to do. And then feeling this call to China was able to connect with a school where they were looking for people who had American college degrees who would teach English as a second language. They flew him over there and gave him a place to stay and a small monthly income for doing that. He was able to live with the people, to love with them, to minister to them any way that he wanted to. He didn't have a target on his back because he was a missionary. No, he was a school teacher. So it allowed him to get into places that missionaries could never do that. He spent his two years there, which is what he was feeling that he was called to do. And then he left and spent five weeks traveling internationally and came back to Nashville with money in his pocket. Nobody had donated Nobody had sacrificed. He had no debt, but he had fulfilled that entire process, college degree and two years of missionary work by just being a little creative in how he did that. I love those kind of stories. You know, I, I see far too often, I see people experience a call to full-time ministry after they've been unable to find or create meaningful and profitable work. So it's a default rather than a first choice. Wow, you know, I'm 14 months without work. Oh, I've decided I've been called to full-time ministry. Now I expect you, since you're one of those suckers who doesn't experience a call, you know, you give me work because, or you give me money because you're just working. I mean, the, the whole thing just kind of breaks down. And then the expectation is that instead of the difficult challenge of doing work that provides for their needs, they can now relax and just ask other people to support them in their ministry. Now, I know I'm doing a whole lot of generalization here, but I've seen examples of what I'm talking about here work in the very poorest parts of Uganda and Kenya and Haiti. It doesn't require one size fits all to make that work. I mean, I would encourage any of you to get a book, Peter Greer, who's CEO of Hope International. Big, 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 you know, helping organization. He wrote a book, The Spiritual Dangers of Doing Good. And he talked about how we have crippled people around the world thinking that we're helping them by simply giving them things and talking to them about Jesus. You know, the, the, the challenge should be to make somebody's life better. I mean, just this, this week I've talked to a gentleman who uh, felt called to marriage ministry very worthy goal. No question about it. He and his wife put together an event 
God told them they were going to have 350 couples show up. They committed to rooms in the hotel, food consumption, other things that you do to put an event like that together. It was an absolute disaster financially. At When everything was said and done, they owed $57,000, wiped them out financially in terms of what they had saved. And now they're questioning, did they not hear God? You know, do people not care about their marriage? No, it was a poor economic plan superimposed on their heart's desire, their heart's call. So I'm just saying, let's come up with a more realistic plan for how this is going to work if you're called to ministry. People like Tom's Shoes, Blake McCluskey, there's Tom's Shoes, you know, his model. Golly, what a cool idea. Buy a pair and they give a pair. You know what? He's discovered that's not a good plan. What are those people they give shoes to? What happens next year when those shoes are worn out? Have they taught those people how to be equipped to get the next pair of shoes? No, they've taught them to expect the next pair of shoes to be given to them as well. And he's saying, we're going to change that model. We aren't going to do that anymore because all we're doing is teaching people to be dependent on us. Bono, you know, from my favorite musical group of all time, U2, I mean, he talks about that. I mean, he's done amazing work around the world to get debt relief, to have loans forgiven, and to give more money. You know what he says at this point? It doesn't work. That kind of ministry where we just go in and meet people's needs, all it does is make them poorer. He says the only thing that works is capitalism. I shouldn't throw that negative word in there, but he says we've, we've got to teach the people how to do something that has value if we're going to change their lives. Now, Matt, you say in your note, on a more practical level, it seems it would be hard for a missionary to do a lot of ministry work if they're giving their best 40 hours a week work per week to an employer. What is ministry work? I mean, really think about that. What is this? This is a, man, this is an important concept. I mean, I believe we're all called to ministry. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to stand behind a pulpit on Sunday morning. If you're a truck driver, do it with excellence. If you're a brain surgeon, wow. I mean, do the kind of work that transforms people's lives. If you are a plumber, stand apart in an industry that has a bad name. I mean, what, so what is ministry work? I mean, is it telling people to love Jesus or is it showing them how to plant vegetables and sell them at a local market or how to make jewelry that has appeal in the Los Angeles fashion shows or maybe how to provide a $200 loan for a motorbike that they can then use as a taxi to start providing for their family. And in doing those things, is there the possibility that we can work right alongside the very people we want to help? Dick Gigi is a friend of mine from here in Franklin, Tennessee. Very successful CEO of a company, retired, great shape financially, didn't have to do anything. And he has a heart for ministry. He has a shoe manufacturing plant up in the mountains in a remote area of Peru. There are 200 people who work at that plant. It creates income for them. They have profitable work to do, many for the first times in their lives. They give them places to stay. They give them time to study and learn. They have time to worship and grow together. Wow. 
what a great ministry work where the focus is on helping them in that way. I just got to, I, I opened my email just as I was putting my notes together here. I just opened an email from Kiva, K-I-V-A. You've heard me talk about that. It's something Joanne and I've been involved in for many years where I put in a small amount of money and it's put out as micro loans and then people repay it. And then I just simply choose who I'm going to loan it to again. I love this process. So I got the report for January. So Alexi repaid $9.39. Says, thanks for helping Alexi buy supplies for his tailoring business, including buttons, thread, zippers, and fabric. I had loaned $25. The $25 is now totally repaid. Maria in Colombia has a sewing business. I own $25. She's repaid. In the month of January, she repaid $1.56. I mean, I get excited about these reports. Modesto in Honduras is wants to be an auto mechanic, but he needed a few more tools to be able to do that. He paid back the loan that I gave him. He paid back $1.47 in the month of January. Johnny from Bolivia as a little construction company, I made a little loan to him for tools to expand his construction. In the month of January, he'd pay back 90 cents. He's paid back $3.71 now of the $25 that I repaid him. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Esperanza. This is actually in the United States. I made a small loan to her through Kiva. She paid back $1.39 in the month of January. I mean, here's the deal. I think our ministry should help people make their lives better now. Not just give them a ticket to heaven when they die. Now, golly, I know this is important to a lot of you. And a lot of you are doing really worthy things in so many different ways. And I commend you on that. And I want you to continue doing that. I'm pretty clear on what Joanna and I do that is our ministry. Do I consider, I mean, we, we have opportunity to do a lot of things and I won't go into that, but just, just fun things. But also what about the work that I do? Coaching, speaking, writing material, even this podcast. Could I possibly frame that as ministry? Well, I would hope so. I mean, because if I'm not involved in ministry, Golly, I'm going to have a hard talk with the guy I see in the mirror tomorrow morning. I mean, sure, I consider it ministry. And I think you should consider your, when you have work that blends your talent, your passion, and an economic model for that, that is your ministry. I don't care what it looks like. That's your ministry. And that can take a lot of different forms. You don't have to go to a third world country to be involved in ministry. If you choose to go to a third world country, Figure out a way to make that work, have fun in the process, and help those people transform their lives. Well, here's your action step for the week. I've started doing this and I've gotten a lot of feedback from people. Yeah, so here's the action step. Pretty natural outgrowth of what we've just been talking about. List three things you're doing that are ministry to others. Now, you're all doing that. Nobody is just making their own living, paying the bills and doing I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody listening has something that you're doing 
that really could be considered ministry. List three things that you're doing that are ministry to others. Now what I want you to do is describe one thing you can do this week to expand on that. If you're helping young gals who get out of prison, how could you expand on what you're doing there? If you're helping people who are coming through a drug treatment program, turn their lives around, how could you expand on that? If you have a heart for the homeless in your town, how could you expand on that? I mean, you can go down to Goodwill, spend 30 bucks, you know, and get 10 coats and take them down. I mean, do that. Is That's ministry. I, I, I just want us to be, to not be so narrow in what we consider ministry. And I think we can do that in ways that encourage people and ways that create that where we have created a realistic economic model for how we can do that and hold our heads high. Well, hey, thanks for being part of this community. I so appreciate your input. I love hearing the stories about what you're doing to make the world a better place, the things you're doing that really are truly ministry and the best use of God's gifts to you. Continue doing that as we together are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, ministry, and profitable. Those all go together in the same hat. I know you're doing that. Let us know your stories. Have a great week.